Hey, do you teach yoga? Have you ever trained to lead yoga classes to be a yoga therapist? Have you ever owned a yoga studio? Maybe even just wondered what it was like for the women and men up there in front of the room on their mats, leading you through endless Surya Namaskars, down dogs, and pranayamas galore? Well, these are their stories and mine. I'm Rebecca Sebastian, a 20-year yoga teacher, 10-year yoga therapist, yoga studio owner, and co-founder of a yoga-focused nonprofit. I've done a lot in the yoga world over the last 20 years, pretty much everything except had a water cooler. You know, a place to share stories, talk about struggles, successes, and find other people who do the same thing that I do. Welcome to Working in Yoga, a podcast and substitute water cooler for yoga folks to connect and build community, to share our unique profession, our challenges, and our journeys with the world. Hey friends, welcome to Working in Yoga. Here we are talking today about a subject that I really never wanted to tackle. As I said in last week's newsletter, I've spent the last seven years talking to change makers, activists, and community organizers in the yoga industry space, and have long said that the one thing I am not game to take on is fixing our clearly broken YTT system. To me, that's the Yoga Alliance's job. I have always had a huge soft spot for labor rights, and I'm really excited to see my prediction of 2016 coming true in the 20s that this is the decade of labor movements. But what about us? Where is our labor movement? We've talked for years about the incredibly slow entry into full-time yoga teaching work and how our work is devalued, often the butt of jokes, and even us, the people within the industry, have a hard time taking our own work seriously. So why not focus there instead of YTTs? Well, because I have come to realize that we can't do that. The two topics are undeniably linked, so consider this podcast an appetizer. Now I have a whole series on our obsession with perfectionism lined up for the new year, but after that, I'm going to take on yoga teacher training courses in fall. And today is an intro to that series. I'm starting by telling you all that you're wrong. That feels pretty on brand, right? Because today, the first topic of discussion in regards to YTTs that I'm taking on are the studios. Before I begin, I would love to ask you to go ahead and subscribe to the podcast from wherever you listen from. It helps the algorithm know that other people like this content and will then show it to more people like you. And if you are so inclined and love the show, a five-star review would be the foamed milk and lavender sugar on top of the London fog. Not necessary, but it makes things so much sweeter. And as I said, I do host a newsletter each week. I had a couple people reach out and say thanks for the podcast recommendation I made last week in the newsletter, and I'm so glad you all are liking it. Once you finish the series, let me know so we can talk. And if you want to sign up for that newsletter, go hit the links in the show notes. It'll take you two seconds and you'll be there. And finally, thanks to our sponsor, Sunlight Streams. We are talking all about holiday self-care this week on the blog, so don't forget to read at www.thesunlightexperience.com backslash blog. Now, I can't believe I'm doing this. Yoga teacher training programs. 
Like almost all recent solo episodes, I started by asking folks I hang out with on Facebook a question. This time, I asked a group of people in a Facebook group specifically for yoga studio owners. I both asked a question and took a survey in separate posts. And before I tell you what I asked, I do want to say I was working a specific hypothesis because one thing I have noticed over the years is that whenever the subject of yoga teacher training programs come up, I hear the same line repeated over and over again. It goes something like, the yoga studio model doesn't work, so yoga studios churn out yoga teachers in order to keep their doors open, and they've saturated the market. So as I was thinking more and more about YTTs, I decided my hypothesis essentially was this. That's bullshit. So don't get me wrong. I understand why people take this stance, but there is a really important distinction that we never ever talk about in regards to yoga studios unless you are an owner yourself like I am. So I'm going to make that distinction right now. Boutique yoga studios and chain yoga studios are not the same thing, and critique of us should not be thrown out equally. Yes, we own the same kind of business, but in the same way that nobody is accusing your local bookseller of the same things that they're talking about with Barnes & Noble, saying that all yoga studios use YTTs to keep their doors open is a bunch of crap. We are not the same as Core Power or Yoga 6, and neither are our business bottles. That part's really important. And with that in mind, here is what I asked a yoga studio owner Facebook group. Can we start a deeper discussion around teacher trainings, the Yoga Alliance, and studios? Some of the industry projects I've been working on involve the discussion around the Yoga Alliance and how their current iteration devalues our industry in service of spreading quote-unquote yoga to as many people as possible, and I'm quoting them via someone else who sat with them in their organizing team, that means that they're less interested in the integrity within the industry and more interested in the mass dissemination of the practice. So for those of you who train, and based on a poll around 70% of you, why do you train folks? For the revenue, to get new teachers, to improve the industry, to get as many people teaching as possible and doing yoga? Thanks for the conversation. Now, I don't think there is any way to have a conversation about YTTs without talking about the Yoga Alliance, who of course is wearing a lovely blouse today, and I hope had a healthy and nourishing breakfast. But you might be surprised at some of what I have to say. I don't blame the Yoga Alliance for all our woes in the yoga teacher training realm, especially when the topic was first coming under fire in the late teens. But we'll cover that in a little bit. First, Let's hear what people had to say. The most overwhelming answer to my question was that people trained or ran training programs because they had a hard time hiring qualified yoga teachers in their community. In fact, over 50% of the answers I received to my initial inquiry mentioned the need to hire teachers or teachers who taught the particular style of yoga that the studio was built on. Here's what Sarah said, and her comments sum up quite a bit of what folks replied. I started teacher training because I couldn't find enough good teachers. The more the studio grows, the more teachers I needed. I didn't do a 200 hour this year because none of the people who wanted to do it were local, thus they wouldn't teach for me. I have thought about not doing a 200 hour program, 
but I'm not happy with the quality of teachers that have trained elsewhere. So as long as I need teachers, I will train them. I'll do one next year. I already have four signed up and I limit it to eight people. It isn't my intention to create a teacher mill. It is my intention to create exceptional teachers. So let's face it. If you run, for example, a yin-focused studio and all you have are hot yoga YTTs in your area, you've got a staffing problem from the jump. This seems to be a large part of why boutique studio owners seem to be training yoga folks. And I completely understand this choice. It is the choice of someone who wants to keep their doors open and sharing yoga with their community without having to be the person teaching all 19 classes on the schedule. Now, while I have been the person who taught 18 classes a week, I do not know, nor will I ever recommend it. So, and so that you understand this too, let's do some basic math together. Okay, let's say you run a teacher training program and you charge the industry standard of roughly $2,000 for a YTT program. I know, I know some are dramatically more expensive. And as it been mentioned many times on this podcast, you can also get your YTT certificate online for somewhere in the ballpark of $200, one tenth of that price. But we're going to choose 2000 because it's a nice round number. Let's look at some math. If you charge $2,000 for the program and you are teaching 200 hours, you are making roughly $10 an hour. Not a great wage, eh? Add on to that program where five people sign up for that, you've made, what, $50 an hour, right? <laughs> no, you couldn't be more wrong. Assume that for every one hour of training time you were doing, you have had to do at least 30 minutes of prep, not to mention the hundreds of hours you likely spent writing your manual, if you are Yoga Alliance approved, the money you spent printing the manual, and the cost of all the materials for the course. And if you don't teach every bit of those 200 hours, you are likely paying somebody else in the ballpark of $120 to $200 per hour to teach the content for you. So if you only had two people sign up for the program, you've actually lost money in those hours that someone else teaches. So let's run those numbers again with the actual expenses lined up. You pay $200 per person on materials and another $100 per person to print the manual and bind it so it looks nice. Now, if you don't believe me on the price of that manual, I had a 30-page manual for a studentship course that I ha- that I run bound for four people just two weeks ago, and it cost me roughly $45 to look profe- professional. A YA-approved YTT manual has to be at least 100 pages, and I have no idea how 100 pages would cover all the material. If you get that printed on nice paper and bound really nicely, $100 per manual doesn't seem that much out of the ballpark. So also, you're paying a teacher to come in and professionally teach the yoga history and the yoga AMP, anatomy and physiology portion of your YTT. That's $3,500. You prep to have a few special guests who come in for an hour or two at a time, maybe sharing chair yoga or yin yoga or kids yoga or something else that isn't your specialty. That's another $500. So out of that $10,000 you received for the five-person YTT, you've spent $5,500 of it already. And that, my friends, does not include the marketing costs that you incurred to get those five people or the fact that at least half of them are now likely taking classes at your studio for free instead of paying you for them like they were before they signed up for the program. 
then you pay yourself based on the amount of hours you actually spent planning, prepping, creating, and executing that training, you've made just about $11.25 an hour. And that's not minimum wage in some states. So please, let me dissuade you from thinking that this is a moneymaker for studios. Nobody, and I repeat nobody, is saving their studio from failure on the money they made from a YTT. Could they prolong the inevitable? Sure, but it won't last forever, and the money runs out eventually, and you also often run out of people to train. And of course, that number does go up if you have 10 people sign up for the program instead of five. You're making roughly 30 to 50 an hour, assuming you do it alone, and not with a partner, because then, if you have a partner, you're back down to 16 25 an hour. And if I'm going to be honest with you, I would really need to love training a lot to do that much work for 30 bucks an hour. Let me put that money in perspective from you from my own personal vantage point. I get paid $150 an hour as a yoga therapist, $85 an hour if people buy in packages. So I make quite literally nearly triple that as a seasoned yoga therapist. Now, I am wildly in love with my work as a yoga therapist, and I have service baked into my pricing, so I do offer services for free to some people. But in my mind, training yoga teachers is a hell of a lot more work, and to do that for $30 an hour, well, (laughs) that had me thinking twice. So if you were over there thinking about how studios ruin the integrity of our industry trainings in order to get rich, that's patently false. The math doesn't lie, my friends. Here is some real talk from a studio owner named Tiffany. It's my passion to go deep with people. It's the part of teaching that still lights me up. It's my favorite part of my job, and some days I'd rather just do YTTs and not run the studio. I do it because it transforms people's lives and their relationships. It helps them to heal generational trauma and personal trauma, their relationships to their bodies. It creates a ripple effect of health and peace in my state. It's a beautiful legacy that remains when I no longer do. It will change the culture of my community and influence people for generations. It's been 10 to 25% of studio revenue over the years, so it is financially helpful, but on the other hand, It takes my most consistent and passionate students and turns them into teachers. They get hired or disappear to do their thing, and they aren't paying customers. They're competition, which doesn't worry me much, but has made an effect on the attendance of my strongest practitioners. I don't want to go online at all, really, or devalue what I offer. I'm okay with recording lectures when someone is absent, but I do feel in-person learning is imperative. I do believe we should be present with each other's energy fields, see alignment in each other, do deep healing together, etc. So I don't align with an online YTT. Tiffany goes on to mention that she also does not feel aligned with how the Yoga Alliance runs trainings and YTT certifications anymore, and a lot of people felt that way. In fact, about a third of the studios who answered my survey on running YTTs run one that isn't YA certified. Let me tell you the stats on that survey before we continue into what other folks said. (coughs) The question I asked was simple. This is a group of 3,184 yoga studio owners at time of this podcast recording from all over the world. And I had 94 people answer the survey. 40% ran a YTT that is Yoga Alliance registered. 
28% ran a YTT that is not Yoga Alliance registered, and 28% do not run a YTT at all. 4% had someone rent their space for a YTT, but don't run one affiliated with the studio. So just because I like stats, that is approximately one third of studio owners who responded who do not run a yoga teacher training program in any capacity. 32%. No YTT money coming in. If the model was reliant on teacher training programs, there is no possible way that this many studios could get away with not running one. 30% of people aren't just lucky. I think a lot of folks enjoy the extra income a YTT brings them, but are not reliant on that pay on that to pay their bills. Perhaps the YTT is how the owner pays themselves a salary. I do know a couple studio owners who have said that to me privately, but it isn't how the doors stay open. So why do they do it? Nicole D'Andrea, a friend of the podcast and studio owner business coach, answered this question in spades. Okay, I'll play. This is interesting to me. One of my primary motivators in doing trainings is playing my part in upgrading the industry. This is one of my written, widely understood core values in both of my businesses. I'm interested in training yoga professionals, people who have never been asked to teach for free, underpaid or undervalued, and won't settle for anything else, and sending that out into the marketplace. I have an interest, of course, in developing teachers that are aligned with my brand and values and who want to teach our style. I have always found that my own teachers are the most coachable and committed, and with our growing schedule, we need to hire. Teacher training allows me to nurture the interests of my staff and retain them, specifically my lead teacher who's expressing a desire to move up within our organization and rise into a leadership role. She'll be co-teaching it with me this time, And it's an opportunity for her to gain new skills and earn quite a bit of money, which is important for her as a career teacher and mother. My other teachers want to be involved too. So again, great for culture and buy-in. I really believe in my program. I worked very, very hard on it and I'm proud of it. Not to sound dramatic, but it's basically the culmination of my life's work. I get to use my anatomy brain, my yoga brain, my business brain, my coaching brain, my leadership brain, all in one place. And now that I'm thinking about it, it might actually be the only place in my work that I get to scratch all those different itches. This is our first training since 2019. It wasn't on my mind until I saw the potential in some of our clients, and now I'm all re-energized about it. The money's nice, but for me, it's the thing that reconnects me to the why I wanted to start this business in the first place. So yeah, I love it. I think a whole lot of people are incredibly interested in how we can play our part in leveling up the industry, myself, of course, included. And running a high-quality YTT is a way to do that. Terry, who runs a studio and nonprofit in Florida, says this, I offer a teacher training that I have a strong base of great teachers who work for me, and the revenue helps bring in some support for overall studio operations. Last, it's a great way to give my most senior teachers the opportunity to deepen their own understanding of yoga by bringing them on to assist and eventually co-teach and support them financially. See, that's a clutch statement right there, and Nicole said that too. There are not a lot of career paths in the yoga landscape, so it is sometimes up to us, the studio owners, to provide them when we're able to do so. I went on to ask Terry what her original why was for the program. Was it because she had a hard time finding suitable teachers? And she said, yep, 
The teachers are mostly from my school. Those who don't get certified through me get CEUs with us once joining the team so they can learn our methodology. Our studio focus is therapeutic alignment, vinyasa, and yin, and we're trauma-informed. Now, Terry's nonprofit focuses on trauma-informed yoga. The name of it is the Connection Coalition, by the way. So the trauma-informed part is really important to her. And if you're in a place where you have a lot of Ashtanga or a Yangar yoga, like in my town, where there, those are literally the only two YTTs that are going, it is important to offer trauma-informed training. New yoga teachers want this training. And for Terry, it felt important enough to build a whole YTT around it. And I agree. And finally, Kelly mentioned something that I want to highlight, especially as I really started to do some thinking about YTTs and our trainers. Kelly runs trainings for people who feel called to teach yoga and want to learn from her specifically. She alluded in her comments to the fact that this was very much part of her purpose as a yoga professional. She said, I love it. It feels so much in in integrity with who I am and what I feel called to do. I get to work very closely with a few students at a time, and I don't feel pressured to offer anything of myself if it's not aligned. That's the thing. Every time I tried to launch a YTT, I really didn't feel aligned with it. While I'm a hell of a good yoga therapist, I don't feel like the YTT path is for me. And that means I personally need to step out of the running of being a person who trains. Because we, as an industry, need more people like Kelly and Nicole who feel like training is the culmination of their skills and calling. So how do we make that happen? First, let's talk about one of the big factors about why it doesn't. Yoga works and core power. Now, not by name, personally. I know they're closed, but let's talk about chain yoga studios. Chain yoga studios are generally backed by venture capitalists, and their model for operation is different. Remember, chain businesses likely have an IPO like YogaWorks did, yoga's first official chain. They offered 5 million shares of their business at $5.50 a share, and they took on a board, like all market-traded businesses, and had shareholders to account to. While this isn't the model of every single business that goes public, there is a model I want you to consider. Yoga Works, Core Power, Moto Yoga, and others are running a model of yoga that isn't the same as your boutique yoga studio. The model for most capital businesses in any industry is to get as much money out of the market as possible in a short-ish period of time and then sell or close. If you can create a funnel out of a moneymaker, like a program, like a YTT, why wouldn't you do it? While I may someday have someone on this podcast who worked at a franchise and can give a firsthand account of what's happened in those spaces, let me tell you the chatter on the back end that I've been hearing for nearly a decade. Here's how this rolls. You take a yoga class at a chain yoga space. You get good at your yoga. Your favorite teacher asks you personally to do the YTT you're flattered, you fall in love with yoga, and then maybe, just maybe, you get a job at that studio. But in order to keep that job, you need to get students from your classes enrolled in YTTs. You realize that's what happened to you. You feel disillusioned and maybe a little betrayed from that sacred teacher-student trust. On and on and on, until it isn't sustainable. This is not what small studios are doing, full stop. 
So equating what happens in YTTs in a small studio with the quote-unquote puppy mill model that is referred to over and over and over again when talking about studio YTTs isn't fair or accurate. These are two completely different business models. It just so happens that due to lack of leadership, we let one of those models devalue our training industry in the last decade beyond recognition. Why, hello, Yoga Alliance. While I do not have time to get into everything I have to say about the YA or their YTT attitudes and positions, I will say this. I do, and repeat do, think the 200 hours is a suitable length of time to be trained for an entry-level job in this industry. The job itself is not that hard, and teaching people how to move in space really isn't that difficult. Do I think 200 hours can even begin to scratch the surface of what it is to know and embody the entire practice of yoga? Of course not. Do I think a 200-hour yoga teacher has any business running a training of any kind? Absolutely not. But... Could they teach at a gym or an entry-level class at a studio? Yeah, I really do think they can, without question. So I don't take issue with the 200 hours in and of themselves. But the varying degree of quality in training, I do take issue with. And that can be controlled to some degree. It just isn't. Because we only have one trade organization, and that organization does not apparently see a problem with this, there isn't much we can do about it yet. I do want to say this, though, about the Yoga Alliance. Some of this isn't their fault. There is no possible way that they could have seen the gigantic boom that is going to happen in the yoga space in the mid-teens, unless they had a pipeline into one of our industry shape makers, brains like Ava Taylor, who's going to be on the podcast next week, by the way, how could they possibly have known that this was going to happen? I really don't think anybody did. The sheer volume of money being exchanged within this industry for what we do is staggering. Think of other activities like ours, say martial arts, for example, that studio industry, they're valued at somewhere in the $16.1 billion mark. Do you remember how much I said yoga was estimated to be valued at by the end of 2025? $215 billion worldwide. Martial arts and their $16 billion, they buy our coffee. Nobody could have predicted this. So the fact that our trade organizations were unprepared for it, well, that's more than understandable by the way I see it. Yoga folks are by nature not often business-oriented, So we were concerned about other things like integrity and authenticity. I do love that about us. But that attitude ultimately allowed chains to come in and run our trainings into the ground. So what is the Yoga Alliance doing about it now? (laughs) Hell if I know. But in 2024, I'm going to find out. Thanks so much for joining me around the water cooler, friends. I am so grateful that you're here and listening. If you want to send me feedback, feel free to go to the website, www.workingyoga.com, and fill out the contact form. As I mentioned, next week I have Ava Taylor on the podcast. I love her so much. She is smart. She literally, quite literally, helped build our industry and has the actual best business book on yoga that I have ever read that just came out this year.